Welcome back to the latest episode of Is This for Credits? Podcast uh, all about uh, teachers of English and teaching English. So welcome aboard. Uh, I'm Peter Jury. And I'm Luke McFarlane. Uh, today we, we're pretty privileged and honoured coming to us all the way from uh, Māori Ōtaki to Pito Te Whenua. We've got an awesome guest here. Let's let him introduce himself. Kia ora, new guest. Who are you? Oh, tēnā kōrua. Um, o tira, tēnā koutou katoa. Nā, um, kai whakarongo. Um, ah, ko tihima baker tōku ingoa. Uh, huri a hau nō ngā iwi e toru o Kāpiti. Arā ko uh, raukaua te au ki te tonga ati awa ki whakarongo tai Ngāti Tōranga Tira. Um, so, yeah, kia ora, everyone. Um, I'm tihima. Um, I'm from Otaki, and um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a writer, and um, yeah, just really honoured to to be invited onto the podcast to have a bit of a corridor about um, yeah my book watched and and I guess um, yeah the teaching of of English. So yeah, just thanks, Petty and Luke for um, for having me. Nah, sweet as thank you. Um, you said it was an honour before, so hopefully that lives on rather than the first couple of minutes. But we do appreciate it. Um, Hey, look, you mentioned you're a writer of Watch, but you've written a, a few novels and you've recently just um, dropped a really interesting concept in uh, Turncoat. Yeah, yeah. So I've, um, I've uh, just launched a, a satirical novel uh, called Turncoat. I guess it's technically a sci-fi too, just by virtue mm-hmm. of the setting. But um, just to briefly touch on that, I guess, uh, it's, it's a novel set in a future of Earth that has been colonised by aliens. And it was colonized by aliens in um, a, a very, very similar way to the way that Aotearoa was colonized. And um, in this future, uh, humans are a minority on our own planet. We have all the worst outcomes. We, we die earlier than the aliens do. We mm-hmm. more, dominate the prison population, all of those ne- negative statistics. And um, within that context, uh, the main character is this this young idealistic human named Daniel who decides that the best way that he thinks he can make a difference for his people is going to work for the alien government. So it's a it's a commentary on the experiences of uh, Maori public servants trying to navigate um, you know <laughs> the institutional racism of government and um, trying to make a difference and finding that that's actually uh, very difficult if not impossible. So um, yeah, lots of commentary on on that and and on just race relations generally. Um, uh, so, yeah, I guess it's a, a, it's a, um, it's doing okay. It's getting pretty good um, reception. I'm pretty happy with it. We've um, it's published by uh, Lawrence and Gibson, which is a small um, independent uh, uh, publisher. Which and we we do all the printing ourselves. We print, bind, and distribute the books ourselves. So um, we've kind of had an unprecedented demand um of books that we need to to create and um that's a good problem to have so um yeah thanks for letting me make the plug <laughs> no, no, no no i actually I... I actually read a really good um uh, thing about it in e tangata yes. a few weeks back and um i think he actually wrote it well yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i read a good thing you wrote about, about it, right? <laughs> but in that bro you talked about your um it relates to your own experience working in well, government institutions really eh? yeah that's right so i um yeah i wrote a bit of a piece for itangata a little while back and that's what prompted um the kind of the recent surge of, of sales and kind of reaction that it's had um which is awesome uh but okay. yeah it follows this too 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll be, I'll be, um, yeah, keeping an eye on the bloody royalty payment to come through. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it, um, it, it comes from my own experiences, eh? Um, so I'm a public servant, just to be, just to be clear. And um, yeah, lots of the book is inspired by my own personal experience. Um, it's not meant to be an autobiography in disguise, though. It, it kind of draws on, you know, lots of um, colleagues and friends and whānau and the experiences that they've also had. Um, so it's meant to be kind of um, representative, I guess, of a very common uh, Māori public servant experience. Yeah. Mean. Um, due to some pretty average fan mail we received during the week, I've had to sharpen up my questions, which is why I sent you through some uh, some stuff in the email here. So bear with me, because we're actually here to talk about um, Watch. Sorry, I, I'd never mm. heard of it before until uh, recently. It was delivered a, a, a novel, well, a copy by NZRTE uh, sort of, book review uh, group, um, right, it was mean. And, um, you know, I was really getting stuck into it, but there was like uh, these two particular mentions that sort of blew my mind. I had to put it down. I actually stopped my wife. She was watching um, Love Island actually on her uh, earbuds. So she doesn't really appreciate me um, putting a pause to that, but I actually started to tell her, man, this dude's come up with this concept where these great historical uh, mythical figures in time um, actually tied directly into this prodigal power of the two key characters or protagonists within this novel. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay, sweet. She chucked her earbuds at that end, but I'm sure she'll read it. <laughs> so um, <laughs> if you're interrupting your wife to ask to tell her something like the way you worded it there, of course the answer is <laughs> boy, bro. I, I, I can't even get my wife to read my own books. So, um, <laughs> yeah, she loves Lo Love Island too, and I get the same kind of look when I try and tell her, oh, I've had this mean idea. So, Katie boy, I, I understand your pain. Oh, but, well, mate, I'm telling you, it blew me away, especially when you brought up um, the jawbone yarn and um, about Maui. And I was like, holy heck, this dude's got a great imagination. And obviously, because we're on this uh, this hikoi at the moment about uh, introducing these different themes and trying to promote them within the classroom, I was like, what a what a great way to, to tie uh, a lot of our local stories with a more modern twist, like that DC Marvel superhero sort of spin. Where'd you come up with that, bro? Yeah, um, if I think, because, yeah, the thing is, watched, um, Watch came out a long time ago, eh? Um, yeah. 2014, I think it was. So I have to say, when, when you fellas reached out to me, I thought, oh, here's another bloody interview request for Turncoat. And I was, um, yeah, pleasantly surprised that it was about Watch. So I was like, oh, cool. Like, yeah, haven't um, had that opportunity to really talk about that before. So, And about um, seven years, we'll contact you about Turncoat. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's still bloody, yeah, relevant in seven years' time, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, watch. So, so I started writing it, um, when I was 17, I was in my, my last year of high school and, um, I probably had the idea a couple of years before that. And, um, if I had to think where that idea about kind of incorporating historical figures came in, um, so I'm a gamer as well. And, um, I think it probably came from, I was playing, um, at the time, like Assassin's Creed series yeah. and for anyone who's not familiar with that um it's a series of games kind of set in different historical periods mm -hmm. and um that's kind of the story in the game but there's a there's a sub uh plot going on about these kind of higher beings that have existed before humanity and um you start to piece together this kind of sub plot that 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 connects all, this, all the uh all the different games and there's kind of hints of this greater conflict playing out across history and um, you start to 
yeah, learn that um, these key historical figures um, were associated with different factions in the Assassin's Creed uh, kind of lore, like the Assassins and the, the Knights Templar. And I just kind of loved that idea that that there's kind of um, the recorded history that we are taught and that we know, but there was kind of this real story going on um, mm. and that people were kind of associated with these different groups. So I think that's probably where the seed was planted. Um, but then when I started... Uh, yeah, thinking about uh, watched and and building that world, and I kind of came up with this idea. Okay, so people have superpowers, and um, there's this this global organization of superpowered people, and they they monitor the world that have been around for mil- for thousands of years. I, I kind of just had to think like, well, um, what's their role been in key historical events? And I think I probably just um, yeah borrowed that idea that, well, actually, what if key historical figures were actually people with superpowers and that would kind of explain um how how they got to where they were or how they were so kind of powerful and those kinds of things and i guess um i took the idea to yeah mythologies and well i should say you know like oral narratives and and things like that um and yeah i just thought oh well that that in the context of the world that i'm creating um that's where you know stories like maui come from mm. and um I think in hindsight, I would probably say, like, if I was to write Watched again now, I'd probably do a lot of things quite differently um, because I was young and, and um, yeah, maybe a bit less keen to um, insert that Māori tanga into there. Um, but, yeah, I just thought that was a cool little opportunity to kind of weave that in. And I don't, I don't think it's a, it's a whakaiti or, um, you know, an insult to those, to those stories because that's the beauty of the May is that they, they are different between, um, you know, different iwi, different hapu. Um, they have different variations on it, and I was like, "Well, this is just my variation for this mm. for this story, you know." So, yeah, hopefully that um, answers your question. Oh, that was good. Good question. Oh, good answer. Not really a great question, <laughs> but a good answer. Take, take two of the questions. Really good. That's just top top. Um, Rose, it's really interesting you talk about that. You being a gamer and indirectly that being probably influential. Um, something Luke and I have always talked about is around young people and reading. And um, just recently, we spoke about how easy it is to pick up the PlayStation controller mm. uh, and seems to be a lot easier or a lot more popular than picking up a book. Yeah. Um, so I'm just working out your age, bro, when you finish school, being into Assassin's Creed, I, I reckon I'm looking early-ish 2000s, late 2000s, um, and that massive online sort of scene was taken off. So it's probably, you're probably a perfect age to ask, bro, what got you into writing and obviously reading yet you're still a gamer as well it's i'm not saying those two things can't happen yeah. at the same time but it seems to be rearing young people yeah i think that's totally fair um so i've always been a writer uh, ever since i could pick up a pen i've always uh, written stories um but i guess it's had it has had quite a visual aspect to it um I, so when i was a kid and i had my my story writing book um, I'd, I'd draw the illustrations as well. And um, I can particularly remember one particular year um, where story writing, it's funny, on a teacher's podcast, you, have, you do have those teachers eh, who just um, foster a certain skill or passion for you. Mm-hmm. Eh? And, and I had one teacher, I was about eight years old, um, Miss Houston. So yeah, shout out to Miss Houston for kind of fostering um, my, my love of story writing. Yeah. Um, She'll be listening. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Most teachers um, 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was into X-Men, eh? And I had X-Men yeah. cards and I would bring my X-Men cards to school and I would I would just draw the pictures from the cards. But a lot of the time I, I like I didn't have comics or anything. Um, but I had all these cards and these characters and I didn't always know who who they all were, how they fit into the wider X-Men narrative. So I'd just make it up and I would put like random characters and fights against each other and, and things like that. Um, so that's where my writing first started as a as a boy with that high like visual interest, I guess. Um, and then in terms of in terms of gaming, um, I do have to say as I've gotten older, I think I've probably gravitated to to gaming more than I do for reading. But it's because I sit in front of a screen all day. Mm. Um, I sit in front of a screen reading all day is what I'm trying to get across. And the last yeah. thing I feel like doing when I you know um, sit on the couch at the end of the day is reading more stuff so it's yeah. just like a mental rest to just pick up a, a game and and play that um but yeah how to i guess how to get kids more interested in reading versus um versus gaming i think what it, i think what appealed to me about reading when i was younger the quality of gaming wasn't as good as what it is now so the challenge is probably more but it was having like you read something and it, it, the information's being given to you, but you kind of still have to create your own version of that world of the characters or what it looks like. And that's kind of, that's kind of the beauty of, of reading. I think is that everyone comes away with a slightly different picture in the head eh, of mm-hmm. who these people are, like what is happening. And that, that magic is kind of broken a little bit when you get movie adaptations and movie adaptations are like never as good as the book. But I think that's part of it is that, everyone has their own personal imagining of what this world looks like. And even as the writer, that's kind of the challenges. You want people to imagine it as you are, but you just kind of have to accept they're never going to. Um, so there's, I don't know whether that's, <laughs> that appeals to me, um, but I, I don't, don't know if that'll appeal to sort of younger readers, but that's that's been the appeal of reading to me. It's like my version of the story that's being told, if that makes sense. Sorry, you, you, you bring up some... Makes me think of some really good examples. You mentioned Assassin's Creed. Film was was pretty average, tanked pretty badly. Um, I also remember the last Airbender film. I know my kids always oh, loved yeah. the last Airbender. This is yep. the, the the other one that came out, and then that sort of tanked as well. Mm-hmm. And constantly yep. that that feeling that oh, I was disappointing or not not what it should have been. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think. Maybe I mean, bones. I think there's... I don't need to go back to that, but. You know, that, that disappointment that everyone sort of felt, oh, man, it's just not as good as the book. Or not how, I guess what they're saying is it's not how they had envisioned the book. Yeah, this might be one of those moments where you just tap out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's legit. Like, I think, I think especially with those movies, like, there, are, there are problems with them just as bad movies. Like, let's just, <laughs> let's just be yeah, right yeah. about that. But, but, but no, you're right. Like, I, I, I would struggle, I think, to find anyone who thinks that, the, the movies of any book adaptation are better than the book. Um, I mean, well, personally, I think the Lord of the Rings films are masterpieces, um, but there'll be those those hardcore like Tolkien fans, they'll be like, nah, no way is that better than the source material. So, um, and that's part of the, the medium too, I guess like a book can just have so much more richness to it. Um, there's stuff that, that has to get um, left out, I guess, um, to fit into a movie format. And that stuff is all, precious and part of the story yeah um so yeah right, when you say um you talk about when you you're a kid and writing and it's real visual for you um even with your writing now are you seeing the film 
Yeah, good part. I, I I have to say, with Watched and um and with its sequels, I did have this um reflection when when I finished them. I was like, I think these might actually be better as movies than as novels, um because I do think of that those but that particular story in quite a um in quite a visual way. Um, going back to um Turncoat, um that that's a completely different story. Like that was always going to be a, a novel, and I think I do probably think of it quite visually as well. Um, but I, 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 I struggle to imagine that as a, as a movie, like I, there's lots of things about it that just work as a text based, um, yeah, form. Uh, but to answer the question, yeah, watch is something that feels very, yeah, visual and action sort of oriented to me. And I've, I've toyed with the idea of sort of trying my hand at a screenplay. Um, I'd like to give, uh, give that a try one day of, kind of trying to yeah, convert watched into a screenplay and see how it goes. But. Yeah. Well, there you go, Taika. If you're listening, uh, we've got a <laughs> screen screenwriter down in Otaki. You're keen as. Well, I've never written a screenplay before, so I don't know how good it would be, but um, oh, great you're keen to give way. it a crack. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like, and I haven't read watched, um, but it does sound like one of those texts where you can see people excited about, man, if that's turned into a film. Mm-hmm. Those young readers who read it, man, God, oh, cool. I'd love to see mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned another time, but you hear the same thing, people excited when Lord of the Rings, which you mentioned, they're excited about Hunger Games, so there are those texts, they're excited about the last evening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So you can see, when we talk about young people engaging, uh, when there are those those stories they love, oh man, they get excited. Yeah. Well, how do we create those though? Without having the, I mean, can we create a series of short films? Could you create trailers just to create excitement and then see how it goes? Well, fun little fact here, Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino, for those people out there who <laughs> are just queued up in the film world as myself, um, Tarantino, he released, um, he did two films. One was called Machete, and I think the other was called yep. Planet Terror and Death Proof. Oh, sorry. He made Death Proof and Planet Terror, and they were made to intentionally be like cheesy old school films. Mm. And to go with that, he released some fake trailers before them. And one of them was called Machete. And then the um, people really liked it. He wanted to make it into an actual film. Boy. That idea of a, a fake trailer generating interest. Yeah, absolutely. It's a thing. Let's do it. Fake watch trailer. Yes, done. <laughs> when do we start? <laughs> well, on YouTube, um, there are a whole lot of fan-made yeah. uh, trailers for, for books and for games and for different things. And you, you imagine some of them look like duds, but some of them look really good and really professional, you know? So at 17 years old, you've got these two key characters, Jason and Rory. Which one are you? Um, I'm Jason, eh? Um, no, I, you'll I, be honest here. We don't, no judgment here. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, Jason, seriously, like, um, uh, and I probably modelled Rory off um, my older brother um, a bit. Um, Does he know this? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think he does. Um, but yeah, I, I guess um, yeah, Jason uh, as a protagonist, um, yeah, he, he he you know he's full of anxiety. He, he doubts himself, um, and lots of the point of watched is him kind of um, yeah finding himself, I guess. And, and who 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 does he want to be? Who who can he be um, outside of the shadow of? Um, 
his bro Rory. Um, but what does that also mean for Rory? Eh? Like, I think um, this is the whole kind of tua kanatena uh, relationship at, at play here, where Rory um, Rory gets his sense of identity by being the tua kana, by being the one who kind of looks after his his bro and and kind of sets an example. Um, but if but if Jason decides, well, I want to actually kind of do my, I need to be my own person. I need to grow and, and um, you know, find myself. It's kind of like, well, what does that mean for Rory then? Um, and I guess that's a, that's a kind of journey that I've personally been on. Um, I, I, you know, as a, as a um, teenager, just like, as we often do for those of us with older brother, we just think they're the man. Like we just like, we just want to be there, mate. And, but there kind of comes a point where you have to go, Actually, I, I, I'm not I'm not them, um, as cool as they are. <laughs> um, I, I've got to kind of be my own um, person, and so I think a lot of a lot of that personal growth and, and development went into to Jason and his story. Yeah. Can you think of that, right? Um, I know you said you started writing at 17, um, and just hearing about it again. You know, I haven't read it, but hearing about it straight away, it seems like a story, and you'd know Luke that young readers, particularly young males, would really enjoy this. And so I can sort of see as, as a young guy writing on it, writing it, that, man, there would be an appeal here for that age. So my question for you as a writer then and as a novelist, are you consciously or unconsciously writing for that age group? Uh, I have to say I'm, I'm quite a selfish writer. I, um, I write for me. Oh, I, write, I write the stories that I would like to read. Um, and so watch was very much that i was like man where's a novel that's kind of set in aotearoa um and um yeah just kind of about like the the bros and and um yeah. with superpowers because i was you know into that um and so i was like well i'm just going to write my own book of that yeah. um and i guess so so it's kind of by extension a eh? then it, I, I hope that it appeals to um the audience that i was like a a young um a young male reader who's kind of into superpowers and stuff, um, but uh, just wants to have a bit of fun with that, I guess. And now it, it's quite different. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm more, much more politicised than I was then, and um, been through some some stuff in terms of my my mahi and um, relationships and that that I want to write about. So um, yeah, that, that that might sound selfish, but but that's yeah, that's how I write, I guess. What what interests me. <laughs> Me? That's a good start. I liked, um, I hadn't really thought about it too much. The fact that if I've got, uh, you know, 25 kids sitting in this classroom, we're all reading the story or well, same story, but we're all visualizing different, slightly different characters, slightly different movements, and all those sorts of things. I wonder if that's a great way to actually get kids um, tapped into the novel before you've even begun. Like, uh, okay, here's the two characters, this is what they're up to have a go at drawing them or outline their features before you even know them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and that kind of speaks to the heart of like um, what English, what I think English teaching English is about. Like, it's like, what have you taken from the text? How have you interpreted that? Um, and it can, yeah, I totally agree. It can easily start as like, okay, what does the character look like to you? Like, and it, the, in all the description, like visualize that person for you. Um, yeah, I agree. I think that's a great starting point. It's a bit of a Kickstarter. I think you can obviously compare them with each other and see what comes out. I know. What do you reckon? Uh, my usual thing, man, anything that gets kids 
yeah. excited about what they're going to get into, be that reading, writing, or something, whatever grabs their interest, man, you've got to go for it. Go. Particularly yeah. if, if we subscribe to the notion that um, we're struggling to get young people excited about reading. Yeah, I think there's probably something in the powers too, eh? Like, um, like whether the powers kind of speak to the character or they're reflective of um, the character traits of that person. Do they kind of represent something? Because I think they do. Um, but there's kind of been some deliberate choices from my end on on which characters have which powers and what they kind of represent. Um, so there's kind of that aspect of it too. Like, why might this character have this ability? Like, what does that say about them? Yeah. I, I always had a bit of an issue with Superman just because he was so unbeatable, unless just it was greedy, yeah. not Just greedy. Well, someone like Batman, man, he was flawed and he actually didn't have powers. But a Superman story, unless there's a truckload of kryptonite out there, he's going <laughs> to win every time. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like he was a really, oh, well, he's too strong. He's too... He's too powerful. So in that regard, he's really ho hum. Well, just un un. Not that I can relate to any other superhero, <laughs> but but he's just the story isn't engaging because oh well, Superman will win here. Yeah, I get that. I, I think I kind of have a similar um, reaction to Superman. Like I kind of prefer, um, yeah, just the one the one power is enough kind of kind mm. of deal. But in saying that, I guess um, in watched there are some characters who have like an extremely powerful sort of um ability but they're still they're still beatable they're still um yeah, yeah it's not it's not a, a guaranteed sort of win um they've got to you've got to be able to have a bit of danger right um to kind yeah, of be invested right. so could have a weakness of all the superpowers that you identified in there which one would you go with um i mean i think with the jason I I think so. I don't want to. That's probably the boring answer. Um, but with with his power, I was trying to be like, what's something really random that I haven't seen in many other sort of superhero stories? And I felt like, um, yeah, being able to change gravity is a pretty buzzy one. Um, so I think that would be that would be quite a cool power. I'm just trying to think of um, any of the others. Um, I mean, it, uh, Dale's power, being able to to teleport around that'd be pretty cool That's like pretty just kind of add a thought you can just kind of be wherever you want to be sort of thing um but yeah either of those two i might pick i'd rather be dale on those real dusty sundays when you've had a night out somewhere and you've got to get somewhere else and you cannot sit in a car for too long <laughs> can we opt into superpowers on certain days that'd be my question maybe that's watch four <laughs> yeah well and um well in the sequel there is a there's a um there's a substance that can like cut off people's powers um, and another one that can kind of enhance them. Mm. Um, so yeah, might be able to draw on a bit of that when you, next time you're a bit dusty. <laughs> <laughs> how, how many um, sequels have there been, right? How... Uh, two. So there's a, it's a trilogy basically. Um, yeah. Oh, and this is probably getting into the, um, you know, the, the sort of the stark reality of the industry that is publishing um just to be totally straight up like um yeah the two sequels weren't published by the publisher who published watched um and i self-published them um yeah. so but yeah if anyone is interested in them they're on amazon um uh the, the, sec the second one's called exceptional and the third one's called kaitiaki okay what well, our college will put those on order all right absolutely <laughs> absolutely keen as you kids will read these whether you like it or not <laughs> 
<laughs> all right, this is silent reading day, not start. All right. Bro, sounds awesome. Um, another part I familiar right, with you as a writer. So um, I know Turncoat, you've said, is probably not going to be the text of choice for young students or young people. Um, have you had any other thoughts or other ideas out that, we, that there might be another one aimed at that sort of age group or you think of the selfish you mm. a bit younger or yeah well i i have kind of had a bit of a chat with um with luke about whether turncoat might be appropriate for like older like you know, year 13 students and it might not be like it i think it's very much an adult text but um yeah i mean i was reading like 1984 i think when i was in school um which i and i didn't appreciate it until i was an adult either yeah. um, but anyway um to answer your part i Probably not. Um, I have I have kind of two ideas. I probably won't write another novel for a little while now, um, especially yeah. Now that I'm a I'm a dad and I'm just finding my time to <laughs> write just like non-existent. Um, Your selfish days are over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's, a, it's a steep learning curve. Um, Sell the PlayStation. <laughs> put away those running shoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but there are two ideas when I get the time. Um, one is I really want to write uh, like an historical fiction um, about Good. my three iwi when they settled um, in the Kapiti area in the 1820s. Um, and I just feel like I need, like that's the type of thing that I would probably write like for my PhD in creative writing. Like I'd need like years to research and write that. Um, and I kind of have another idea that's very early in formation, but um, yeah, kind of, yeah, hard to describe because it's so early, but something dealing with kind of mental health and because um, I'm, I'm doing quite a bit of mahi and mental health at the moment, so it's very topical for me. Um, so that said, yeah, I'm not sure that, I think it might be a not not a not a good text for younger readers probably is, is the best way to put it, yeah. Is this the um, dark mist yeah. that you gave your brother, Rory? <laughs> Sorry, was it? Has this got anything to do with the dark mist that you gave Rory? <laughs> nah, nah. Um, just yeah just i'm I'm just learn like i i feel like um i've had sort of my fair share of um yeah low points mentally but but the the mental health mahi i'm doing at the moment is for people who um are really really struggling with mental health in ways that i that i never have um and so it's just kind of yeah opening up opening up a lot of um yeah new knowledge for me and new understanding about some things that people go through eh? um and so whenever you you kind of have profound experiences like that as a writer it's like oh man i've got to i've got to write about that because that's how you process it um yeah. so yeah it's really interesting Ro, when you mentioned historical fiction there um i was really excited uh, to read monty suter's kawai a real distinct Pro story and yeah. i guess it's it is historical fiction it's got some nice sort of different things around it but a real need for I believe uh, real authentic Maori voices to tell those stories. Um, I remember reading a lot of Morris Shadbolt's work and really enjoyed it. Um, but to have those tutu Maori voices come through, uh, telling our own stories and our own histories, I think is really important. Yeah, it's something absolutely. we can't get enough of. Yeah, absolutely. I, I haven't read um, Kawai yet. I really want to for, for the exact same reason. It, it's totally a gap um, in our literature. And I just, I just think, even even for myself, is why I think it needs so much research. Very, very few people actually understand. I think what the world looked like um, at, at that time period, and 
especially this is why i mean it's it's personal to me because it's about my iwi but just the the reality of the the politics and and just how we were relating to one another and yeah just the world that our tupuna inhabited was completely different to the one we know now and um yeah i i don't think it's well explored um in literature so i'd love to give it a go mean we look forward to reading it absolutely absolutely I look yeah, so that'll be it. what the next seven years after the, <laughs> after the seven years catch up about the <laughs> cutting edge review seven years after its release um Tima, before we um part ways through the magic of the internet here um if you could go back to you talked about that teacher you had um this is houston was it yep miss houston miss houston um obviously helped grow this 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 passion for stories can you think of either specifically what she did or other factors that were in play that really seem to encourage you to become a storyteller mm -hmm. question and a storyteller but encompasses probably that ability to write but also a passion for writing and obviously that ability to read and a passion for reading so yeah i think and the reason i asked that right? <laughs> <laughs> The, before, the reason I say that is because then if we have a whole lot of teachers listening, I just hope you, you know, there might be 20 things here, but every teacher might get a different gem. Gem is going to help it. teachers teach. Perfect. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, no pressure. It was quite a strange thing because um, so I, she was, my teacher, I can't remember what the standard was, but I was, I would have been eight years old and um, she had story writing as um as a as a subject like in all our books you have your math book and your like spelling and whatever story mm. writing was was one and i actually thought that story writing was a subject like at school and i was devastated when i got to the next <laughs> class and i learned like story writing is not a core subject um because it was my favorite and You're i think it was every day after after like the interval playtime whatever it was it was story writing time and i was like this is me you know roll up my sleeve and, and whip out my pencil and my x-men cards and and start um drawing and, and writing um but i think i think so there was that but it was when you, you had to you know, hand in your your book a at the end and, and you'd get it back and there'd be all the stickers and they're like wow and the the comments hey eh? and it was it's not just a tick at the end going nice job She'd go through and she'd underline certain lines that that you know were that she thought were good, and and it was like, oh wow, like I really nailed that line, or like, wow, this gave me a real sense of this, or or, or if you left it on a cliffhanger, like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens next. She engaged with the text, day eh? and yeah. um, I think that's probably that kind of thing, probably what is what helped. Like I, I obviously had a passion for story writing anyway, um, but it was the way she engaged with it. Um, that really fostered it for me, I think. So yeah, hopefully, there's, hopefully there's hopefully something in there that that is uh, is helpful. Perfect. Yeah, it raises another good thing too, Rose. With that affirmation, you, you keep going, and I guess the more you do it, the better you get. Here you yeah. are now, some years later, published mm. author. Mm. But how many young kids who write maybe? So I remember the same as you say. You remember as a kid, you enjoy stories, story writing, storytelling, but. For a lot of young people, man, that's gone. That passion is gone. Well, yeah. Well, and and exactly like you know, I get to the the next class up 
the next year and kind of have this this shock moment of like, oh, where's the story writing um, you know, <laughs> subject? It's not there. And it's like, well, I'm just going to keep writing anyway, you know? Um, so, yeah, absolutely. It just it takes someone special like that. And I guess you can probably apply that. Whether I know we're talking about English here, but no matter what the passion of, of the student is, eh, like all it takes is that, that kind of engagement with it. Um, to and and like you say, the the affirmation, the validation that it's worth something and it and it's important. So, mean what a good, good little lesson to take away. Even yeah, it's been a pleasure having a corridor with you. Um, as I say, we were around the Tauranga. We got one marine parade there, but I know there's another one in Ōtaki. Another what? Sorry, <laughs> we've got a marine parade as well up these ways. <laughs> oh yeah, but but ours is ours is the OG one. Oh, it's OG, all right. I'm thinking, it's, uh, <laughs> it's but, uh, no, but thank you so much for having me. Eh? It, it's been a real pleasure talking with you guys. And I, and I have to say, um, I actually used to want to be an English teacher. Um, and I'm not just saying that to, to, to blow smoke. Um, I, I had every intention of um, of being uh, an English teacher specifically when I finished my studies. I, I um, So I studied uh, English Lit and Māori Studies. And I intended to um, to go and do the one-year teaching diploma after that. But the way my degree worked out is um, I finished sort of halfway through the calendar year. So I had six months to kill before Teachers College started. And I thought, oh, well, I'll go and I applied for a job at uh, the Office of Treaty Settlements. And um, I just ended up getting sucked into the public service. So it's kind of, this is kind of cool. It's like a an alternate sort of timeline insight into, you know, what might have been if I had, um, you know, gone ahead and been an English teacher. So... Oh, yeah. bro, it's a rock and roll lifestyle, so if you, <laughs> if you nah. want to get back in that rock and roll, by all means. Nah, just, but yeah, big, big mahi to you guys and the work that you do. Um, just the work of, of teachers is just so important um, and, uh, yeah, not valued enough. So I just want to, yeah, mahi to you both and, again, just thank you for the opportunity. Bro, privilege has been all ours, Tim. Yeah, so thank you, bro. Awesome Good to up. have you on board and all the best with the future projects. And, man, I look forward to reading your old projects from seven years ago. <laughs> Kapoi. Awesome. Ngamihi kōrua. Kākite ho. Kākite. Omari. Mean. Bro, that was cool. A good dude. Bro, Tima Baker, what a cool dude, eh? Mate, a talent. Awesome. An absolute talent. Yeah. It's a pretty cool idea. The fact they're still churning out some quality concepts. Hey. Bro, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, as I say, bro, like I, I haven't read watched, but what really interests me about it is this whole realm of superpowers. Bro, Without, I don't don't want you to give any spoilers because I want to read it. And if I, am I right? It sounded a bit like Percy Jackson, or is that off? No. Oh, look, this claim I haven't read Percy Jackson, so there you go. But Bro, uh... neither have I. I've <laughs> <laughs> neither have I. But I've read. I've seen the movie. Oh, Bro, have you seen the movie? No. Is it good? Um. Well, okay. it was alright. Hey, no. well, yeah, look, look yeah. at you. It says no. Oh yeah. No. Hey, it was alright. It was. Um. I guess it was kind of. Probably a bit of a knockoff of Harry Potter in some ways, a, a school or an academy of mythical creatures and heroes, I guess. Well, I guess uh, the thing that catches you right from the start is um, you just, it's almost like you're reading an action movie. Straight off the bat, there's a wicked chase Me. scene. You've got these random events happening, and you've got this whole supernatural uh, sort of force that's occurring that the characters aren't aware of. Mm. They can see it, but they don't understand it, and they don't know where it's coming from. And so all of a sudden you're like, man, what is going on? Um, who is actually at play here? Because these guys are only young. And then it goes back into this sort of 
I keep stripping away at the story of um, these two young fellows who are both orphans but good mates and um, doing a lot of probably a lot of the things that we were doing growing up. You know, they're playing footy and and mucking around and getting into mischief. Um, and so that right away just captured me. I start figuring out they've got these uh, these powers, they're prodigies, and the novel sort of follows their pathway through to well into these sort of secret societies, these leagues, I suppose. Bro, you had me at action. Mm. Mm. Um, I think for young people, man, an action story, it's so it's really visceral. It's, it's really engaging. It's a real easy thing to engage with. It might seem simplistic to some, but, man, I, I rate it. Oh, absolutely. I rate action stories, action films, action novels. Yeah, I'm yeah. loving the Orphan X series. Man, it's just basically following action scene after action scene. So... Um, there's, there's a beauty in just getting lost in something that you don't have to look up words in the dictionary, which I struggle with sometimes. Well, that's the appeal, though, of uh, again, show my age here, but um, classic wrestling, WWF. Oh, because it's it's it sells hey, a dream. The purists say it's a sport, it's a quasi sport, but man, that's the idea that you can know nothing, you, you chuck it on, and man, here's here's Bam Bam Bigelow versus Junkyard Dog, oh, or, yeah. or Demolition versus the Heart Foundation. There's no that. denying the athleticism. But absolutely. And the storylines. Oh, brilliant. Hey, maybe we should be playing more of that in the classrooms. Oh, absolutely, yeah. These kids have good education, eh? Reenactments <laughs> on the field. <laughs> yeah, well, you see the figure four leg locks. Um, the DDTs. Off the, off the DDTs. Anyway. Um, any, anyway, my point there was that what I like what you said. As always, it waffled a bit of what you said. But, <laughs> but just the idea that it opens up on an action scene. Like we talk about engaging readers, man, that's how powerful is that when it puts something pulls you straight in. Yeah, there's not a long descriptive piece of what the meadow is up to. It's mm. just bang, bang, <laughs> bang, what's going on? Yeah. Um, and, and even more so the fact that it's located um, in central Wellington. So the, the fact that you can already begin to visualize. Um, I went to Varsity down there for a little while. Um, I wasn't actually studying, I was just hanging around the campus. <laughs> uh, but uh, you can visualize these streets and, and uh, the landscape, and you've got a, a sense of belonging there already, even though you know that was 15, 20 years, 40 years ago. Yeah, it's that degree of realism, I guess, is engaging, action's engaging. Um, you know, I like my films. Do you know the pattern in James Bond films? You know James Bond, eh? 007? Oh, I've heard of him. Long story short, bro, he's a smooth Scottish dude. Uh, he's an international spy. Oh, yeah, okay. But every James Bond film, what it does is when it starts, when the movie starts, it's like you're coming on the end of another movie. Yes. It's like the... the it picks the, up the where the last end, one yeah, yeah, it's the end of an adventure. So you get all this high action, daring escapes, all this sort of stuff. A movie thing, what that does, man, that pulls you straight into it immediately. So, yeah, the, the benefits of a powerful, action-packed opening, mate, it's a thing. Now, if I were to uh, reflect on James Bond films, there's an awesome one, um, Casino Royale. Mm -hmm. You know Daniel Craig? You know the actor who plays James Bond? Obviously, I've seen him. Oh, right, there's a guy called Daniel Craig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smooth Scottish guy. I think they call him DC. Uh, Scottish Craig English. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it reminds me of a funny story about the one guy who played James Bond once, um, who was an Aussie guy. What was his name? I digress. The opening of Casino Royale is this awesome, awesome 
um, chase, free running chase through this construction site. Yes. It's some of the best cinema you watch. About 10 minutes, but outstanding. One of the best little riding activities I've done on a little unit was basically just getting the, that was this boy's ball though. It was a ride a fight scene, create a fight scene. You've got two characters, develop who they are, build around that, then what's going on? What are they, which time period it's set in? What uh, weapons are they carrying? Who's got what? Who's the, the protagonist who should be following? They bought into it. So, I mean, maybe that could be a way to tap into um, a novel like Watched. Begin the, the students off by writing a short fight scene. They go, oh, well, now give these guys a superpower. Or, begin with, develop a character with superpower, have them have a fight. Rotima spoke about um, having those X-Men cards. Yes. Um, visual prompts. Well, I remember, the, I remember those cards, I think. I've still got some. Probably they'll be worth a bit. Well, it depends. Yeah, on I'm, pretty, I'm pretty wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what condition are yours in? <laughs> well, from the sure. blue tack to the <laughs> few bedroom windows. <laughs> anyway, there is there is something in the staying power of so X Men was Marvel, Marvel DC, DC. I think is coming up to ninety years or something. It's done eighty mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Some, and that, those are stories all about superpowers. So there's something primal in that that has obviously attracted people forever. Yeah, right. And he, and you mentioned it. How in watched there it refers to Maui um, and other cultures. You know, Greek mythology. You've got Zeus. You've got um, Morgan Le Fay. Morgan Le Fay. Who's that? I had to look this up, but he dropped this massive illusion in there. I didn't pick up until I went back through and had a look. Uh, she was the counterpart to King Arthur. Was that Morgana? Morgan Le Fay. Yeah, yeah. Her uh, his um, advisor, his sorceress, his good luck charm. Well, wow. yeah. There we go. Well, wow. he wrote this at seventeen. What were we doing at seventeen? Oh, well, he is. wasn't writing novel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's something um, really appealing in there. It has been forever. That there's something about superpowers, or call it what you will, that's really universal and grabs people. Well, I've got this um, a young man in one of my classes who's now using that um, voice-to-text app on Google Docs or whatever it is. So he speaks to it and it writes just because he's got um, trouble with writing time and speed. I wonder if that's a, a little handbrake for a lot of writers out there. And because we're talking about storytelling, actually getting some of these um, students to develop their stories, think about them, maybe bullet point them, and then express them in spoken form to see if that's like a little bit of a jump start to a bit of the stories. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like there's so many apps that can help that. I mean, um the whole chat GBT GBT thing is I well, think it's like different than just copy stuff. Well no. <laughs> <laughs> um but it can be. I was I was uh, talking to a randomly I was talking to a um, teacher at a tonguey the other day. And instead oh. of focusing on the tonguey, he was in my ear about this whole AI thing. I was talking about ChatGPT, how it's not just a big baddie, mm. ways it can be used as well. And maybe one thing for teachers to consider is rethink how you, it's not just a big baddie every time. Yep. For example, and I just chat with someone earlier this week. For example, if, if you ChatGPT'd a draft, a first draft, yes. and so there's your bare bones, and then you say, okay, now how do I, 
how do I lucify this? Yes. Okay, what where do I come in here? Mm-hmm. So so it doesn't, you know, there's another app where it could be if you've got that um, student who might struggle, and there's your bare bones of your story. Yeah. Yeah, good. You, you know, so there are things you can do there. Um, but back to DC and Marvel. Okay, we've got another fact coming up. So, well, no, that is um, that is 80 years of, uh, in comics, and I know they've gone into movies and games and stuff, but there's something there that's had staying power for a long time. And have you got a personal favourite? Yeah, I do. Uh, my favourite DC character. No, it's probably Batman for me. Yeah, yeah, okay. Batman fan. Yeah. What do I like about him? Oh, well, I can't really relate to him. Uh, billionaire playboys. Parents are, <laughs> parents are murdered in front of him. Not quite my life. I don't know. You're pretty um, close to the senior <laughs> leadership team. Um, uh, but I think I just really enjoyed those stories. I really enjoyed Batman. Um, Marvel. Um, yeah, I think I like a lot of Marvel stories. Probably my favourite is um, oh, probably Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu. I was a massive Bruce Lee fan. Mm-hmm. I used to read those, and, and the comics have aged badly, to be fair, from like the 80s, but that's probably what I really enjoyed. Here's this Kung Fu dude cruising around Harlem, beating dudes up. What's it mean? Beating bad dudes up. For a reason? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just really cool. Throwing dodge bullets and throwing yeah. gunshots. And, yeah. 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 You? I'm pretty boring, mate. I don't really get into them. To be honest. Ever in your do they have comics and tennis? Nah, oh, they didn't. Okay. No, we had um... other magazines from the dairy. <laughs> <laughs> we used to go Ealing quite a bit. Yeah, never um, read comics. No, nah, I'm just trying to think. I used to come actually. My nana did they used to live in Arataki? Oh, okay. And, and there used to be a secondhand bookstore right down um, Mount Main Street, and there. Used to be a whole lot of old school comics, but I'm just trying to think their name. This is how boring this chat's going. Right, no, I can't remember the their chat. name. Right, listeners are loving this. Um, <laughs> well, bro, that era was probably you had Commando, you had those wars. No, 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 this is like um, probably my dad's age comics. Like the first page um, yeah. might be color and the rest were yeah, black right, and white, yeah. like and the Phantom almost newsprint. Yeah, Wizzo, Wizzo, Yeah, and chips. yeah, that's it. Wizzo and Chips. Yeah, those are those British ones. Yeah, I've got Britain's a bit of those. And then probably Mad Magazines. Um, ah. If I take this back to Thames, Cordial, so if we get out of the mean streets of yeah. Thames. Um, right, so just things as age. So things like X-Men cards really grabbed them. So if we try and bring that into young people today, I know Pokemon cards are big. Mm. Um, but... But I think we land back again around gaming or around around the digital influence. So there's something there that is probably that initial thing that will grab kids and excite them. Yeah. So how do we as teachers uh, grab that and run with it and move into reading? Mate, really easy. I reckon uh, you can have a look at uh, the beginnings of scenes for in short clips and then, all right, describe what's happening next. Well, I liked also what you talked about with Tihima where – you could have an exciting trailer or something or yeah. four, four novels or even if, like, say if you just look at opening scenes. Yeah. And, it, I mean, when you describe that opening scene of Watched, and that's something that will grab people and excite them. I got this concept the other day around Watched uh, because I really thought about that connection between um, those mythical figures in time um, and, and those key figures in Pudako and thinking, oh, why don't we get... Uh, a class, you could get them to uh, research a key figure in history. All right, what was their superpower and how did they get to be where they are? They create a backstory yeah, for them. It's like Winston like, Churchill. How did he get there? What did he do? Right, Abraham Lincoln. 
Vampire big, Killer. Big A. Bro, Vampire Killer. You seen that film? Yes. Right. It's me, no. Yeah. It sounds ridiculous, though, but no, it's a good film. Right. I enjoyed it. It reminds me of um, Bubba Hotep. Yes. Right. Elvis takes on the mummy. Yep. Yeah, right. So, yeah, that's a great idea. Famous people, superpowers. Yep. They create a whole backstory and it's involving the creative writing, but it's also com- combining your research skills as well. Uh, your superpower would be spelling, <laughs> forming a, a cohesive discussion or argument. I saw your power through through your <laughs> masters over a number of years. <laughs> Almost caught up. Reference with things easily. Would Mark be Ellis. Mark Ellis. I remember it took nine years to finish his three year degree. Uh, my masters. Pretty borderline. <laughs> it's, only, it's only a one-year thing, but well, much like Mike Ellis, you had to stop your studies for a professional sports career. <laughs> oh no, sorry, that was Luke McAllister, <laughs> not Luke McFarland. My bad. My legs are too skinny. Mm-hmm. Um, where were we going with that? Well, we just were getting through some ideas for teachers. Yes. Well, I yeah, yeah, and I sort of yeah. for me listening to you two talk and not having read watched. Yes. It's the appeal of superpower. Super well, that's right. You asked me there. what my superpower would be. Yes, flying. I've always thought I'd love to just be able to get up in the air and cruise somewhere else. Mm. You? Superpower. Um, You're one of those X-ray vision things. Isn't you? <laughs> <laughs> be able to look through walls. Um, probably, I don't know about flying, but maybe like um, super acrobatic skills. Oh, yeah. So you're a gymnast. Yeah, yeah, but a super <laughs> Exactly like a gymnast, but a super gymnast. <laughs> If it comes time to do bombs, do some monies or something, being able to move mid-air and sort of manipulate self and throw dodge bullets and catch them in my teeth. Hey, that sounds that sounds like a film trailer right there. Pretty kick-ass, bro. Uh, for the listeners out there, if that intrigues you, check out an 80s uh, film trailer called Jim Carter. You ever seen Jim Carter? No. Well, it's pretty bad. But the main dude um, is a world-class gymnast, and it's fused with the power of karate. Oh, I like and that. So he gets signed up by the US government because he's a gymnast and a karate expert. What, so he goes undercover around all these gymnast meets? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he goes to a, a, a nondescript a European country to play this thing called the game, where he sort of goes up against these monks who've got bows and arrows and, yeah, and sort of dodges bullets and stuff like that. Jim Carter. I'll add it to my watch list. Um, now, so let's, uh, so yeah, right, that's pretty good power fly, flying. And acrobatics, pretty mean. Um, let's get back to tips for our teaching colleagues out there. Um, well, it sounds like Miss Houston yep. puts me to shame a little bit. I was listening to that and thinking how uh, I need to up my game in regards to giving individualized feedback more often, like praising them. Well, I remember seeing their work. You, I remember seeing you teach, right? And you had this awesome old school stamp pad. Oh, yeah. stamp kids work. Yep. What did they say again? Oh, I can't even remember. There's a few of them. But I'm sure they were pretty good. It was probably Miss McFarlane as the best teacher in the world. It had nothing to do with the kids. I just want to stamp <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it was like the Thames version of Banksy. Oh, I think from memory, it didn't say stuff like, this is awesome. Probably. Right, it had some pretty cool things. And I remember you had boys into it. It was a boys' school. But boys were into it. They were competing the for it. There. They want to get the stamp. Yeah, they were competing for it, which is an odd thing, eh? You think, oh, teenage boys in a stamp. But that little thing actually captured them a little bit. Again, recognising that it was a boys' school, but you bring in those things like, hey, there's a shitload of testosterone running around, but <laughs> but competition is something. Yeah. And I got the stamp. I got mm. that affirmation. Not so that's what Miss Houston was doing. 
but there is something on that affirmation. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, frustration for me is always that um, that that balance between uh, you killing kids' ideas and enthusiasm sometimes through the grammar push. Yeah. Recognizing though that that ability to be articulate is important. Wow, mate, we're looking at the the new literacy co-requisites and the pressure is on. Um, our PISA results have dropped and we're having to pull finger and tighten up that focus a lot more. And so I don't think there's any way of escaping uh, the increased need to upskill our, our toter and that. But I guess it's about how do you compartmentalise because you don't want to kill them with English. You don't want to kill their creativity. So it's about going... Um, loading up the, the lesson in, in little bits where one particular moment is free write, where they get to just go as hard as they can with the creativity, and then another shorter section, five minutes, all right, now I want you to write three of those sentences perfectly. Or So for me, it's, it's going to be little and often, as always, because that's the last thing you want is for them to, to turn up to your class or not turn up to your class, because they know, oh, Mr. McFarlane's just going to hit me with, oh, where's your capital letter? Where's your full stop? This doesn't make sense. You're not good enough, so then. One of my favourite things to do um, when I'm scrolling uh, the internet row and Facebook is go through um, either those real stink, almost racist, racist threads of comments. Oh, I haven't seen that are particularly anti-Mouldy in there. <laughs> Hobson's Pledge is one, but what I like to do is go through and correct every spelling mistake <laughs> and get annoyed and all this feedback comes back. That is so and good. Yeah, and just go through, correct everything. The polite protest. Put the tohu tor and everything. Oh, I like it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Flips my boat. So, <laughs> Mr. Fun over here. <laughs> um, but I was going to say, right, and I'm not saying this, and to all our English teachers out there, I'm not saying this to be a dick who's trying to be that guy who swims against the tide. But, and I know when you say but, it cancels out everything you've yes. said before it. Yes. But, but for reasons of maths, are you, I think they did maths at Thames. But uh, when we had maths, you do all your learning, irrespective of where we are now, calculator, it's all that you can get through without knowing long division, for example, or you can get through certain things. Yes. Everyday things, dare yes. I say everyday things. Yes. With spell check, can you get through everyday things now? To a certain degree, if, if you if you're low enough that you don't actually know when you click on it that you've chosen the right word, then no, it doesn't help. But you know what I'm but asking? I, if, you, if you don't have that strength... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And is, is there a playoff here between it crippling you in terms of your English journey mm. or actually it being something that you can work around by the time you're working or, or studying further? Oh, that's a, that's a philosophical one that I don't really have the answer to. But what's your opinion on it? Mate, I think if you want to be successful regardless of your spelling and, and sentence structure, you're going to be successful. I don't think that's a handbrake on um, your measure of life. Yeah, okay. Uh, but at the same time, there are definitely career pathways where your success will be limited by your inability to communicate in a way that garners sure. respect. Yeah, I don't doubt that at all. I don't disagree at all. Uh, Will Hunting, you know Will Hunting? Will Matt, Hunting. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Good, yeah, good guy. 
Didn't he write it? Um, and was it, what is it Goodwill Hunting? It's Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, was it, is it first hunting. name? No, his first name's Will. I thought it was Goodwill. He's good, good, because he's pretty good at things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, if you're Will Hunting, man, you're a mass genius. So let's say Will Hunting is at the top of the mass pyramid. Yes. Where's somebody near the other end of the pyramid? I don't think I'm on the pyramid. All right, well, I'm slightly ahead of where you are. Mm. But nothing we've done has been crippled by that. Well, we're not rich. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wait for this podcast to end, my friend. <laughs> then we'll be off to tell me. Um, yeah, we're not rich, but I, I guess it's that point that what is is are we losing a lot of kids through enjoying the richness of a language and particularly storytelling? Okay, do we lose them through a focus on technicalities of it? Yeah, potentially. And I'm, I'm not saying those aren't important. What I'm saying is, is there a better approach? technology get us through that anyway? So my, my my poor way of trying to use maths as an example is that technology's got us through yep. foundational maths anyway. Yeah, okay. So has technology got us through foundational English anyway? I'm sure there's dudes like old Bill Shakespeare, who, if he could see into the future and see the way language has gone, he'd be pretty gutted, pretty disappointed, perhaps. Fun fact, we, fun fact, bro, there are about 20 different ways of spelling Shakespeare. Are we? <laughs> so that's a really poor example. But are we digging that's our toes in the sand? Like, oh, no, no, you must do this. When actually, should we be just be going, nah, don't worry about it. We're going to sort out technology and that's going to improve our literary skills. I think, um, I think that was part of my point, and I don't, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I was just trying yeah, to put yeah, that yeah. side that, yeah. that you can, um, a fixation on the technicality of English. Is, yeah, and I'm sure every teacher knows that already because you're trying to do the best of everything. You want to engage students at the same time. There's that obligation to do that, and I'm just sort of trying to say that obligation can can sometimes kill off the enthusiasm. This is like deflating because in our little teaser for the series, you actually spoke about your passion for punctuation. Oh, bro, I was taking the piss. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, let's not, uh, man, I don't want to get into a sad chat about about that, even though I have for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> Rose, we're talking about Tim's teacher, Miss Houston, and, and the affirmation she gave. But it was, it was more than just affirmation, because like he said, it wasn't just a tick at the end and a, oh, yeah, well done. She was providing specifics and underlining cool segments of his writing. So I think it was maybe even more... The fact that she had seen his work, I think it was more the fact that she had seen him and his talent. And uh, I think regardless if a student legit has talents in your class, they all want to be seen for who they are and they all want to be acknowledged. So I think that's probably the most powerful tool that she incorporated in her practice, right? Like, I see you, I know you, I acknowledge you, and um, I value you. Here's another deep and meaningful thing for you. Is it talent or is that just that affirmation gets that passion going you do it again and again? And the more you do it, the better obviously you get at it. So you go from someone, you enjoy something, yeah. you get yep. affirmation, yep. you keep doing it. Yes. At 17, you're writing a novel. Yeah. Then you're a published author. Then yep. you're a, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, I think um, obviously not everyone has the passion for writing as soon as, uh, you know, he said he always held a pencil or a pen. And he always wanted to tell stories. And that just was like the 
a turbo, if you, yes, if you will. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, this applies to the Bogan Palmy North Square. Um, that was the turbo that just kick-started further acceleration RX7. for the passion. The RX-7. That's... Yeah, it was the RX-7s in Palmy. Yeah, the laps. Face the lights twice used to be the... And I don't know, I didn't kick around there. That was yeah. the Bogans. We, um, we didn't have the money in Thames. It was like <laughs> a, a Chrysler Avenger or something. <laughs> um, Nine of you in it. But in that regard, a student's going to have a passion or a strength in a different area. Um, but I still think if they're, if they're feeling valued and their work is um, seen, then they're going to have that positive vibe, if you will, about Ab your class absolutely. and about your subject. Absolutely. How do you do that, though? Because when I was listening to him, I, was, I felt a little bit inadequate in the fact that I, maybe I'm not doing it enough. Um, how do you balance that time that you're already giving in your teaching career to ensure that you are giving those little gems that the students need every day? Because like I'm saying, I'm, I'm battling a little bit at the moment. Well, any, I once had a student bro who wrote a fan fiction novel and it was about 100 pages of A4 refill. Yeah. About um, his own one of Echo the Dolphin. Yes. Remember Echo the Dolphin? Yes. Uh, Sega Master System. Yep. Painful read. I'll be honest, tough read. Hard to get through, man. It was hard to, I feel bad, but it was hard to show some love for that. Yeah. Right. And insisted I read it and wanted feedback. So I just tried to talk about, man, you're a really passionate writer. You, you found something you love. This is awesome. Keep it going. Uh, fuck, I battled to get through two pages. <laughs> <laughs> But what I was trying to do is, irrespective of whether I like it or not, yes, and, and I didn't, yes, um, I was trying to say, man, awesome, man, keep going. The fact you have written a hundred pages, yeah, is really impressive, yeah. And uh, this is handwritten and stuff, so we could have gone for days about where we could still eat beer, but it was just trying to say, here's obviously someone with passion, yeah, right. I'm trying to praise the passion and hope that the sequel's a lot better. <laughs> Mate, so I'm going to yeah. tie this back to a bit. And bro, the Echo the Dolphin, here's where it gets crazy, was in a spaceship. <laughs> so it's a dolphin in space, in a spaceship. So, yeah. A dolphin in space, in a spaceship. The dolphin had a helmet on, didn't it? Uh, it had some sort of, <laughs> yeah, he, had a, he had a rational... Beacon or something. Right, it had some sort of, like, armour armor space suit. But, yeah, Echo the Dolphin in, in space. Doesn't really compel you to and that's where micro dosing began <laughs> i've got this idea for a game shout out to my man uh and toting hey for you out there and you are still going love that passion if you're still going that was 10 or so years ago good on you my man keep going he might be a media studies teacher <laughs> absolutely sounds um, like it so i guess yeah so we were going there was around that, that power of affirmation and positivity and encouragement and again, I've yet to meet a teacher who doesn't do that. I think you asked, though, how do you do that well? Well, before I go there, have you been goal panning? I have. Yeah. Talk, talk us through it really briefly. What do you do? Um, well, I was in Tawa. Yes. Not renowned for it, so gold mines. No. And there were some streams at the back. And me and my mate were at the back of Kiwi Crescent in Tawa. Mm -hmm. And we just knew there was a stream up there. And we saw some machinery I think we thought was... Gold, Gold mining. mining, yeah. So we got our pan, went up there, scooped it up like we'd seen on TV or something. Yeah, sloshed around, shoveled it around. Yeah, perfect. So right, you chuck all this material in this pan. Yep. You rinse it with a bit of water, okay? But what are you actually looking for? Sparkles? Yeah, you're looking for the gold, right? So I guess that's the way we should be approaching the teaching. Don't worry about all the rocks that we're throwing out into the creek. Where are the specks of gold? Maybe that's what we're identifying. Mm. 
I feel that's a really good analogy for teaching in general. Yeah, good. Uh, unfortunately, all the Allisons have tuned in for teaching of English. Perfect. So, <laughs> so what's a cool way then, Luke, that you can, um, without getting a 100-page novella about Echo in space, a dolphin in space, Flipper, Flipper and Mars or whatever it is, how do you, 30 kids in your class, what's a good thing you've got that can get you through 30 kids Oh, it's simple. At the moment, we get um, my students to write a kopapa, or I write the kopapa ako up on the board in the mahi tutuki, um, and they copy that into a notebook, and then generally it's attached to a whakatauki, mm-hmm. and from that whakatauki, it's like, they just write a quick, how might this link to the text that we've been reading, or my own life, or sort of thing. But before we move on, which is into silent reading, they'll bring that up to me, and I highlight and tick it off. And so, me. that's just a quick way of them uh, showing me their work and then I get to add comments. It's only like a sentence. I'm not reading screeds of work, um, and they usually hang around because they want to get it highlighted and ticked back. So um, something just quick. You don't have to be writing paragraph or reading paragraphs yeah. consistently. Um, and just short, sharp, get them stuck into something else and have that immediate feedback to them during that lesson. Yeah, I guess that's we talk a lot about gaming and that influence, and you talked about digital GPT and stuff, but and I don't want to sound like someone who's picking on oh this generation, this mm. and this generation, that you kind but of do that. It's a common theme. Well, I just use the word but and it hopefully can't. <laughs> um, but what they're used to is instant feedback. Yes. Because everything's so so rapid and instantaneous. Yes. Um, so that's I think you're onto something there because it, it is an instant is important. And if it's not instant, man, it may as well be a year. Because that's right. It's, it's that, that's what they're used to and expecting in every what, aspect. We've got to give them an emoji. The stamp. Mr. McFarlane is awesome. Stamp, there it yes. is. Greatest teacher to ever have walked. Mm. Bold call. Tempt. <laughs> um, another interesting one for me that Tim raised is uh, historical fiction. Yeah. Ōtaki, that conference of Te Atiawa from Taranaki, Ngāti um, Ngāti Rauko and Ngāti Tō came down with Te Rauparaa. So he lives in a really rich part of um, relatively recent history. Yep. But we also talked about that with Kawai Monty Suta's novel, and we talked about it with Fiti Hiriaka before. Yes. Um, so that power of local stories yeah. is something that's that's rich as well, and you get tapped into. Mm-hmm. Thames will have some massively a massively rich history there. Oh, the historical fiction that can take place there. Um, I've told you this fun fact before, but how many uh, pubs did Thames have in its prime? I think I've heard this before, but I, I know it's crazy. Obviously, um, let me think out loud. Uh, obviously, there was the gold mining boom was there. That would have been massive. Um, I'd pick 30 pubs. 90. Wow. On that one street. Yes, and and here's a little side fact. Um, I've just been up at the Waitapata Hut. Mm-hmm. Up in the Kaimais. If you haven't been there, it's a beautiful little place to go. But Waitafita, Waitafita, Waitafita. Yep. Um, that was set up with a Cody mill with uh, tram lines to get the Cody big logs out of there. And that was primarily done to build all the new houses in Waihe and Thames during the gold boom. Well, and hotels and all those sorts of things. And Thames also, I know this because my uncle was in the team. In the 1930s, I think it was, were the top first 15 in the country. Yes. So, beat all the Auckland teams. So, if you had top four then, 
uh, Tim's high school were number one for about a couple of years. And the Swamp Foxes were fierce rivals of uh, Tim's Horefield uh, and Carpet Tea team, too. Still are to this day. To this day. So shout out to the uh, Swamp Foxes and also everyone ripping the tricolours of Horefield and Carpet Tea oh, down there. The mongrels. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, historical fiction. Really rich, and I think one thing in um, all the changes going on is that localised curriculum. Yes. I made that comment before. That's what I really like about Monty Suter's novel is is that there's distinctly a Ngāti story set in that place, um, as is Whale Rider. Yeah. As, as is um, you talk about the opening scene of Watched, the opening scene. How's that for the movie guy? Yeah, yeah. The opening novel where it's on those streets of Wellington. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Fiti Hiriaka Legacy, same thing as in Wellington, real distinct local stories. Um, man, there's a power in that, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I know I made that call previously about country music. <laughs> Have you been um, doing some research? Well, no, I just know that that's something I've been rabbiting on about for a while. I, um, so I said it in country music, but the hip-hop's the same. Hip-hop's the same. Yeah. It's, it's, it's localised, you know. How often you can talk about... Um, 16th and Lewis, yeah, you know, make dog warranty regulate, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So, so there's a real, and I don't think in New Zealand you don't necessarily see, I don't think you see it enough. I think the danger with um historical fiction is because it's so rich, and you could, like Tim has said, he needs a couple of years to get through some research. Is how do you build that uh, that setting whilst keeping the young people pumped? You know, we can market it towards adults. We've got a little bit more patience with it. But how do you develop a story that's set in that time that still does honour to the history, but still captures the interest of, of perhaps waning readers? Here's, here's an example. Um, again, a film example, because that's what I do. Um, <laughs> but Lords of Dogtown? Yeah. You know, there was a, there was a uh, film and a documentary. Yes. So whichever one you're referring to, that is a social period in LA yes. where you had a change in society, socioeconomically, mm -hmm. and sort of created this um, low socioeconomic area in this beautiful part of the part of the city. That's an anti-establishment. Yeah, and then what that created was this um, attitude that indirectly was the birth of modern skating. Yes. And that's just one random place in the middle of LA. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> well it was that point, I guess, if, if, if things are really localized, there are real rich stories there. When we look at science fiction as a genre. Yeah, right. Man, it's a real awesome way to go for a story because it's so rich of options and possibilities. Mate, it's probably even one of my weaknesses. As in fantasy sci-fi I struggle to get into. Have you read Lord of the Rings? Yes. Hobbit? Yep. Narnia? No. And I read all, as a young kid went through all of yep. Narnia. So did I. Um, Jordan, I. I read Lord of the Rings, wasn't huge on it. No, I love the, the movies though. Oh, the movies I thought were cool as. Yeah, but there's still there's like avid fans out there that uh, Bro, they can speak soak it up and they'll, and, yeah. they'll, and they'll read it over and over and over. Yeah, yeah, I could fold a page, put it down, walk away. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, I guess um, well, even though you or I may not be world's biggest fans, yes, it is. It must be. It's one of the most dominant literature genres across the planet. Yes, absolutely.
Game of Thrones. Mm. I know I want to talk about the the TV show, but it was huge. Mm. Game of Thrones is, is massive. Yep. I often hear a term, and one of our colleagues, uh, she ran a whole course on world building, but quite often in those ones, and it's the same in gaming, you hear about world building. Yeah. And so uh, uh, these great stories happen when you have a really rich setting. Yeah. A really rich lore, L-O-R-E, about these places and, and how things work. Games, they talk about the same thing. Like that escapism. That it, that escapism, but it's a really realistic world. And once yeah. you've got that, well, your story just happens in that. Yeah, right. Where, where some um, some stories get it wrong is you're watching a story about creating that law mm, rather mm. than just here's a world and the story happens in it. Yeah. Case in point, original Star Wars films versus one of the prequels, The Phantom Menace. Yeah. So the Phantom Menace is trying to explain, well, here's how Darth Vader came to be. Here's how the Force happens, the mm. midichlorians. So you try to explain all these obvious things when there's no real um, sense of story in it. Mm, it's, mm. You're answering a question no one's asked. Yeah. yeah. How does the force happen? Well, no one cares about that. No one's asking. Mm. I just want to see Darth Vader choking dudes or, <laughs> or, um, or, or you know, Luke Skywalker. He walks right through a forest. Yeah. I want to see them doing their thing using the force. I don't care how it happens. Yeah. I'm not Tyson DeGlass or whatever that dude is, you know, the science guy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think those are questions that, yeah, they just don't need to be answered. And they're just poor stories. Mm, mm. And I guess the tough thing for teachers, man, we put poor stories in front of our kids. You're going to disengage them. Yeah. But the better way to look at that, if you get really rich stories, man, you're going to grab kids. Yeah. But I guess that's the that's one of the dangers of, of teaching is that we're not all the same. And what I see is the most engaging text in the world is it might be a dud. And so... It's always a punt, eh? It's always a yeah, punt. Yeah, you just never know. Yeah. You've got 30 kids and 29 will hate it and one yeah. might like it. Go yeah. the next one. Yeah. Different 29 hate it. Yes. Um, and saying that, today we had this uh, scholarship meeting and I introduced this text, Pythagoras and the Male or the Girl. And it's a coming-of-age story about two dudes who grow up down the line, but they're all aimed about heading to the mount for New Year's. But they drift apart. So it's almost kind of like Watch where they've got these two uh, mates yeah, and just on these different pathways, it goes through this coming of age, and they realise they're not quite into each other, right? I love the text, short, written by a uh, Wellington author, Victoria McCulloch. Hopefully, that's right. But anyway, uh, one of the young fellows in the scholarship meeting was like, oh, "I read the first page. I'm not really into it." So I'll put yeah. that away. I'll try again later. That's a, um, and that's the other side of it. Here I am talking about you've got to engage in action opening scenes. But at the same time, too, at what stage do you need young people to persevere through the first page, through the second page? Yeah, yeah. You're going to finish this. We're going to talk about it. Yeah, I don't. I don't imagine that text to be a slow burner. But for some people, maybe it is. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, if you've got some answers out there, uh, send them <laughs> through in the fan mail. As well as some feedback around the performance. Hey, mean to talk with Tihima. Um, really exciting here of a young author uh, who's put work out there and put it out there young. Real distinct voice. I look forward to reading Watched. Yeah, I'm a little bit embarrassed to not have known that there were others out there. And well, like, that, that was published so long ago. Like you said, though, that's possibly the reality of of that uh, industry is that there's no guarantee you'll yeah. get your sequel. Oh, Tihima, I'll be putting this out on my platforms to say get out there and uh, purchase Watched. 
and get uh, your young classes stuck into it because uh, it's definitely a text that stood out to me. But do you, and, you sort uh, of say that like you have other platforms as well? Oh, yeah, I've got um, <laughs> Toctic and um, Bookface. <laughs> uh, well, to all the um, to all Luke's listeners on this platform, get out there and buy a class set of watched. Do you reckon we've got more than three now? Well, to both of you out there, get out and buy a, <laughs> get out and buy a class set of watched. Uh, you rate today, Luke. It was really solid. Yeah, nah, me. Uh, well, I look forward to reading it, and I think you've done a review of it, eh? Didn't you do a group review of it? Yes, choice. You can look right. at it uh, on the NZRT. Uh, NZ, 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 yeah, we've had this chat. NZ. Is it NZ, NZ, RT? Well, NZ, NZ, yeah, NZ, NZ, it's easier than NZ, RT, NZ, RT, NZ, RT, NZ, RT, yeah, it sounds like a Dalek, yeah, maybe, 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 it's like an online book club or something, eh? Oh, it's, there's this amazing uh, colleague that lives up in um, Auckland, uh, Caitlin Funk. Big shout out to you. Uh, yeah, she runs the cutter. Great questions. Uh, gets everyone sparked on these new texts, and they're all uh, typically New Zealand authors. Uh, so it's just sort of introducing us to texts that could be taught within the classrooms. And, cool. and you were all English teachers? Yes. Awesome, man. So if you think about it, listeners, Here's your week mapped out for you. Yeah. On one night of the week, you can listen to our podcast. On the next night of the week, you could listen to the book reviews. Yes. Uh, nine weeks later, you can do it again. <laughs> <laughs> right, that, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool idea. English teachers reviewing books. Well, it's just well run. Caitlin does an amazing job of driving the chat. Because, uh, as you know, it's pretty hard to get yeah. some lucid yeah. answers out of me. We should get her on this podcast. <laughs> she should host this podcast. <laughs> There you go, Kate. 2024, <laughs> coming your way. Um, oh, bro, that's cool. I wonder if there could be other things like that out there. Like, not well, necessarily more reviews. Of, you know, it's just repeating the same thing, but... There is. Like what? Well, Tracy Greenwood last week talked about um, Instabook. Instabook, was it? Yeah, abs- yeah you're right, actually. Where yeah, they I guess I, I was... Yeah. What were you thinking? Well, I was thinking around like English teachers or teachers doing other things. So shared book reviews are really cool. Um, podcast about teaching. I, okay. mean, I won't say it's really cool, but it's a thing. Okay, that's our research. But are there other are there other things out there? Other vehicles out there? Our research for the next chat. Mm. Let's deliver some. Deliver. I'm, I'm going to watch your video. I'm going to watch your video of your <laughs> book review. We'll save me having to actually read the book. <laughs> It's a video, eh? I'll watch it. <laughs> Where do I get the DVD from? Yeah. Um, Excellent. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> hey, people out there. Geez, we've um, we've tripped each other up in this chat, Luke. But a little bit. Really cool. As I say, man, I really appreciate this to hear. It's an exciting voice to have. I'd like to say we've pulled together a number of these voices. And Bro, have you ever read a thing called Itangata? Yes. That's sort of like a Sunday morning. Yes online magazine yeah. well have you seen those little books i think they're called bwb books they're called no. these the only small i'm holding my hands up for listeners <laughs> <laughs> they're very small and um they are they're sort of marketed as bite-sized small reads about different topics yeah nice. so for example i've read one about the first migration across the pacific 
uh, by almost pre-Polynesian people. But there's another one which collects just a number of good articles from Itangata. Yeah. So it's really cool. So in that little book, you got 20, 30 essays about really random stuff. Yeah, cool. Where will we find those? Uh, most bookshops. Yeah, Fit okay. Calls. Yeah. yeah. Fit Calls have it. Yes. Um... <laughs> Hopefully everyone else gets a joke. <laughs> Fit Calls and, and Harbour Blues. <laughs> yeah, they should have it. I think it's BWB Publishing, it, something like that. Okay. Whole series of them, pretty random topics. Uh, but if you can see one called, it's a collection of essays from Itangata. Very cool. Or you can go onto the Google machine and Google Itangata. And again, a lot of um, articles and essays uh, from not necessarily within Te Ao Māori, but by Māori, often about Māori kaupapa. So when Tihema spoke about that, we, well, we, that's where we read his essay about Turncoat. Um, and I think that was an interview with him where he was responding to some questions and, and wrote it. So get in there and check it out. He tongue it a good read. There's a cool one. Um, there was actually a paper published by Sir Hedini Mokomid in 2012, but it's re, I get republished, I suppose, yeah, re -re recently about um, Mataranga Māori. So have a look. Have a look. It's, it's interesting, but it's, it uh, yeah, legit. All right, people, hey, we hope you've got something out there. Um, and uh, if you didn't, read Watched by Tihima Baker. Way better. Mihi out to you, Anō Tihima, if you're listening. Uh, Mihi out to you and your whānau down in sunny Otaki, out there on Marine Parade. Get amongst it. The Whangamata of the Manawatū. Yeah, possibly. You've got some contenders for that title. You've Ooh, got Foxton, um, Foxton <laughs> Foki Town, as it's often called, Himatangi, Himatangi, a bit further up, uh, Tangi Moana, a bit further up from there, Waitarere Kuru Beach. Okay, I'm looking forward Kuku, to it. Aroha Mike, Kuku Beach. Beach Kuku. Uh Waitarere Kuku. Then you get down to Ōtaki. Mm. It's all go. The main streets. Shout out to Fititara Rugby League Club and Rahui Rugby Rahui. Club. As Tima said, Ra Rahui actually won the Horofanua Kapiti um, rugby champs, rugby title. Yeah. I went to Teachers College with uh, number eight from um, Horofanua Kapiti, James Gardner. Man, shout out to you if you're still in teaching, bro. Last time I saw you a uh, uh, dive instructor in the tropics, but maybe you've come back. Man, I, uh, as a kid under 13s, I went and played uh, league down in Ōtaki, actually, Fielding Falcons. We went down to play Fiti Tara. You were eight at the time. <laughs> Right. It's, a funny, it's a funny story. Uh, we show up, we get in this van, old school Bedford, drive down. It's on a Sunday. So the league was on Sundays then. We get out of the park. Coach, Victor Sherry at the time. Right, boys, <laughs> out you get. There's no, the park's empty. There's no one there. Sunday morning, no one there. Get out, throw a ball around. Oh, there's no one here. Oh, they'll show up soon. So it's my, one of my, I think it's my first or second game. So we're throwing a ball around. And I said, I said, oh, who are we playing today? He goes, oh, Fitty today. Where are they from? Ōtaki. Well, this is Foxton. <laughs> right, <laughs> boys, back in the van. <laughs> Carry on down the road, another half hour or so. We get to Ōtaki. Fititara. Late. Uh, yeah, yeah, late and, and uh, hostile reception is probably putting it mildly. <laughs> but pretty awesome, yeah, yeah. Beautiful grassroots uh, rugby and rugby league. What a spot, there. mate. What a spot. All right, listeners, appreciate your time. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. We'll catch you on the next round. Kia ora, team. Kā kite.